Good morning. Uh, my name's Nigel. If you don't know me, I'm one of the leaders also of Gateway here. So um, we are this morning on part four of our series on the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Spirit. So, so far, if you've been here, you'll know that we've looked at who is the Holy Spirit, what does it mean to be born of the Spirit, how do we receive the Holy Spirit, and when does that happen, listening and following, to the, following the Holy Spirit last week. And now, so I guess a lot of that has been about us as individuals, what does it mean to be filled? How do we encounter God in this way? And today, really, we want to widen that out and just talk about us as a church. So my topic this morning is the church and the spirit or spirit-filled church. Um, so what does it mean to be a spirit-filled church? What will we look like? Um, what can we expect? And I want to start, really, with uh, by painting a bit of a picture for you. Um, which is from the world of football. So I'm sorry if you're not a football fan. Please bear with me. Don't switch off at this point because hopefully this will help to paint a bit of a backdrop. Um, so is a th- the thing is, as church, I, I think it's so key what our mindset is about church when we come into it, isn't it? Now, I was at a football match a couple of weeks ago. I actually missed the second meeting two Sundays ago. I know, I know, I feel bad enough, don't make those noises. Um, But I actually left the building at 11.30, I think it's the first time I've done it. There is life outside of this place, people do things at 11.30 on Sunday mornings. Weird for me, but uh, you probably maybe maybe know that already. Anyway, I've got over that now, but I went to a great football match, it was Swindon Town's last match of the season, and they beat Shrewsbury 3-1, it was a brilliant game. But as I was there, I felt reassured by the fact that once I sat down, I felt God speaking to me. So I'm like, oh good, I'm here to do research, I can feel good about being here and I felt God speaking to me about this morning because as the players were on the pitch battling and um, doing their very best to win what was a great victory that morning I felt God say to me and this is what the church is like actually we to be those who are on the pitch we're in a battle if you like we've just heard it from Carla I'm not the priest coming to address the troops by the way this morning And, and that is because you're all priests amen You know that, don't you? But I am coming to address the troops and to tell you actually that we are in a battle. That there is a a match going on in that sense. It's a lot more serious than a football match because it's a life and death thing. And actually souls are at stake and the advance of the kingdom of God is at stake. But we are in a a combat situation. We have an opposition. We are a team. We all have different parts to play. But we need to be focused on the fact that we are full of purpose. We are trying to score goals against an enemy. And actually, we have an enemy who's trying to score goals against us that we're trying to stop. And that is the picture of us as a church. And I felt God say to me straight away, and this is what it's like. This is a picture of church. And the guys in that team are trained and they are honed and they are concentrating hard on one another, on what... The manager, if you like, shall we call the Holy Spirit the manager as he coordinates? Let's not push this picture too far, but just go with me. Um, But you see what I'm saying. We are engaged in something that requires attention and focus. And I don't believe we'll understand the picture of the Holy Spirit as within the church unless we get that. You see, all too often, I think we see ourselves as being back on the stands, that we're kind of watching what's going on, that we're there to be entertained or maybe to have some kind of experience. We hope it will be a good one today. But actually, we don't see ourselves as being critical to the victory that is going on. But you are, every one of you today. 
And that is what it means to be part of the people of God. And I felt so clearly God say to me, um, I want you to talk about this in two weeks' time. And I felt good because as I was sitting there in the sun. It was a really lovely sunny day. And we were right in the sunshine. It was hot, actually. But anyway, let me stop. The, the other thing that I felt as I was there was that, you know, so when I talk about us being on the stands or kind of coming, uh, seeing ourselves as part of church for the experience, if you like, to see what's going on rather than being actually engaged in the, in the combat, if you like, I, I, I then heard some of the Swindon Town fans singing the song that they sing, started at the town end, the rough end, that is. Um, I don't know if anybody there sit. Uh, we don't sit there. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the words of the song because I really, I really don't bear repeating. Um, but the, the song is about 1969, March 1969, when Swindon scored, as you all know, I'm sure, uh, won a historic victory. They played Arsenal in the League Cup final. Yes, I know, Swindon. They beat them 3-1. Okay, And this is obviously a historic moment in the history of Swindon Town Football Club. But the problem is, and the thing that struck me that morning, is that they're still singing about it in 2016. And if you still have to sing about what happened when I was one, 1969, okay, I know you, I know I don't look that old, I know. Um, but if you still have to sing about what happened in 1969, in 2016, then there's some kind of problem, isn't there? And I think the danger is that us and the Holy Spirit can be a bit like that, that we kind of say, well, in 1984, I was at Spring Harvest and I had this amazing encounter with God and went all wobbly. And, and I still refer back to that time. And so, and it might not be 1984, but it might be 1994 when some of you will know what I'm talking about when I talk about Toronto and all the weird things that happened then. And, and I hold on to that. I met God in 1994 in that meeting in the little shed down at, you know, anyway, you, you get the picture, but we're, but that is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for now, for today. We're never going to play the match that we're called to play. We're never going to be the people in the world that we're meant to be unless right now we're filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to be who God has called us to be. A trained, a, a trained fighting force flooded with God for now, for today, equipped, watching what else is going on in the team, ready to play our part in a, in a historic victory, which is already won, by the way, but we have a pl- part to play. And the, great, the other great thing about that match that day was that there were two members of the youth team who were playing for Swindon Town that day. One was in goal, amazing goalie, under 18, both of them under 18. The other one came on in the second half, about halfway through, and immediately scored the third goal. Youth team players. I'm like, I felt really emotional at the time just to see, what a day for those guys. But I just felt God say, and that's the same with us because you see, it's not us. None of us can do any of this stuff. We're not equipped on our, in ourselves to advance a kingdom or to be the people that God's called us to be, but empowered by the Spirit. He does the work. We're just vessels. We do what he enables us to do, which means that however young you are, however little experience you have in the things of God, if you receive the Holy Spirit, then you are empowered and can do exploits just like the guy next to you who's been around for 50 years in the things of God. It doesn't make any difference because it's about what God is doing. And you can feel weak and inadequate and inexperienced, but so what if the power of God is upon you to do the things that he's called you to do? You see, the day that we're saved into the kingdom is the day 
is the day that we join the army, the day that we join the team that is fighting that the kingdom might advance. And that, conti- that, that commissioning continues right through our lives, as does God's restoration and sanctification as us as people. You think, I think we can think that we have to get all sorted first with God, that we wait and we get healed and we get sorted out and God restores us and sanctifies us and makes us more like, and then maybe one day when we get there, then we can do exploits in the Holy Spirit and see the kingdom advance. But it's not like that. From the day we're saved, we're being restored and we won't be fully restored until we meet Jesus face to face. But also from the day we save, we join this army and we, in the power of the spirit, not in our own strength, do exploits for him as we are in, the, in this battle that Carla has spoken to us about. Amen. And I just felt that come alive for me in watching that football match. And I feel like that is the context. We won't understand the spirit in the church unless we under have that kind of backdrop to what's going on. So... The first thing we need to understand, that was the intro, by the way. Um, the first thing we need to understand is what is the church? If we don't understand what the church is, then we're never going to understand what it is to be a spirit-filled people. Okay? So, and the important thing is this. Never, ever, it's so easy to make this, this mistake, but never, ever think that the people of God is just like any other group gathered together. It is unlike any other gathering on the face of the earth. I know when you look around this room, you think, well, we're ordinary. We're just like everybody else. But the people of God are a unique people called out from amongst those saved, set apart by God. His favor upon us, his spirit within us, never like anything else. Paul says this. Um, In Ephesians 2, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We have been called into, saved into the household of God, God's family. The one who created the universe, the one who created us. We're his family. We're we're part of his, his home group, if you like. Not only that, but that we're a dwelling, the Bible says, in which God lives by his spirit. The next, a couple of verses on. We're like a building, says Paul. The foundation is the apostles and the prophets. The chief cornerstone is Jesus. And this is what he says. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we, the people of God, are being built together. We've become a dwelling. We have become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The very presence of God, God himself, the third person of the Trinity, lives in us, his people. Nobody else can say that. This is unique. The creator lives in us as his people. Amen. Have you under- we need to understand that's who we are. This is incredible isn't it? Utterly, utterly unlike any other group of people on the face of the earth. In the Old Testament, it started as a temple, the building. God dwelt in that, the tabernacle, as they moved around. But now, since Jesus, God says, you, you're the temple. We're the ones that God lives in by his spirit. The presence of God, God himself in us is utterly, utterly amazing that God would want to live in us by his spirit. And you see, the thing is, we think in our, particularly, maybe not if you're from a different nation, but in terms of Western mindset, we think so uh, 
individualistically a lot of the time. But actually, when we come to the Bible, it's, it's corporate. It's about a people. God always had a people right from the start. He spoke to Abraham about a people. He rescued a people out of Egypt that we heard about when Callum was talking earlier. And we are a people. Peter says this in his letter, doesn't he? 1 Peter. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. This is our identity. We are the people of God. Something is, we, have, we haven't been called just as individuals to have a little relationship with God and get on with life. We've been called to be part of a people, God's people, indwelt by his Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. Amen? And so we've got to think like a people. When we think about who we are as Christians, we think we're part of a people, we're part of a people now. God's family. That's utterly crucial to our identity. And the danger is we think it's just about us and God. We think about individually, we think about what it means for me, what's my experience of it. But no, the experience of God is being part of a people and as a people being the very dwelling place of the living God amongst us. Amen. The church has a unique role, doesn't it? A unique role and mission on planet Earth to declare the praises of him who saved us out of darkness. That's what 1 Peter just said. The next verse in 1 Peter 2.12, it says this, live such good lives among the pagans that they would see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So we've been saved out of darkness into light and now our purpose in life is to point to the one who did that. The point to the one whose love and mercy and grace we've encountered that we might display him, that we might bear his image amongst those who don't yet know him. Amen. That's our purpose. That's our mission. And the only way we can do that ever, the only way, because it's a battle, the only way we can do that is if we're filled, if we become the people we are, uh, what our identity is, which is the dwelling place of the living God. If we have God amongst us, the only way we're ever going to fulfill that purpose that we have on this earth. Amen. So, if that's what the church is, and we need to understand in our minds that that's what it is, then what, what's our, where do we go to look at what it will look like when the Holy Spirit fills God's people, when, it, when, the, when the people of God are indwelt by God himself? Well, we need to go to the early church, we need to go to Acts, because that's the place I think we see most clearly what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on the people of God. And we see in the early chapters of Acts, once the Holy Spirit's come, all sorts of amazing things start happening amongst God's people as they're filled with the Spirit, as they off on mission, off on purpose, declaring who God is, declaring what he's done, who Jesus is, and being filled with the Spirit. And amazing stuff happens amongst them. That's our model. That's our pattern. We, we are looking for nothing less than what we see on the pages of Acts. So can we just read um, Acts 4? I could have picked any number of different... Um, Parts of the story of the early church there, I just want to pick one, um, just to illustrate this pattern of what it is to be church filled by the Spirit. And so we're going to go to Acts 4. This is the time when Peter and John were um, out preaching in the, in, the, um, in the town about what, who Jesus was, what he'd done with them. They created a crowd and a stir, and the, uh, the authorities didn't like that at all, so the guys... Peter and John got hauled in before the, the chief priests and the authorities and, and were told to stop talking about Jesus because it was creating problems. They said, well, 
Who are we going to listen to? You or God? We can't stop talking about Jesus. So they chucked them in prison and they released them the next day, didn't they? Not knowing what to do with them, really. And this, this bit that we're going to read is when they then go back to the, the rest of the early church. So uh, Acts 4, chapter 20, uh, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. See, this is a context, a battle to display who God is. And what he's doing in their lives. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So there's loads of other stories, there's loads of other instances where similar things happen. But this is the one I picked just to kind of say this is the pattern really. The people of God are about purpose, they're about declaring who Jesus is, what he's done. They're having opposition, it is a battleground. So they're running back to God, they're crying out to him for the spirit, they're filled with the spirit. Some amazing things happen. In this instance, the room shakes on different occasions, all sorts of other Uh, Weird and wonderful things happen because God is in their midst, but they're empowered to do the thing that God's called them to be, to bear God's image, to be the people amongst those who don't yet know him. And they can only do that as they're filled with the spirit. And that is the pattern again and again of the early church and those early Christians. They're full of purpose. They're clearly about something together. They're aware that their God is sovereign and that he's in control, but they're aware also of their desperate need of being filled with the Spirit that they might do the things that he's called them to do. And that is our pattern. That's who we are. That, that's what it is to be the people of God. And I think that we'll never understand what it is to be filled with the Spirit and our need of being filled with the Spirit until we understand that that is the picture of what the church is. That's what we're about. We're not here for our own good. We're not here for a good experience. We'll, that, that will come in time in heaven. But right now, we're in a battleground to communicate, to display to those around us the amazing grace and mercy and love of God. Amen? For that, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Boy, do we need to be filled with the Spirit. So having looked um, at that, that's our pattern, the early church. You can look through Acts. It happens again and again. People People are being added to the church. People are being saved. People are encountering God. The church is being refilled with the Spirit. They're encountering opposition. They're being filled with the Spirit. They're displaying who God is. That's the pattern. And it's in that context that we get to understand why, what it is to be filled with the Spirit and why we need to be filled with the Spirit. On the pitch, not on the stands. So what can we expect today in 2016 in Gateway, in Swindon then? Having looked at that as our pattern and our model, what can we expect when we start talking about having, being a spirit-filled church? Five things. The first thing we can, be, we can expect is this, to be constantly in need of being filled with the Spirit. Again and again. Because this, the, 
Our purpose doesn't stop. The battle doesn't stop. The thing that God's called us to doesn't stop. And we need to be constantly being refilled with the Spirit. Amen? We need God. We can't do it on ourselves. We're weak. We're fallible. We fail. But we have an amazing God who wants to fill us and be everything that we need in our lives. So we've, we can expect to be constantly in need of more of the Spirit. And I think one of the problems, if you like, if you look through church history, is that we've seen the Holy Spirit as a kind of bolt-on. Because of some of the journey of where churches have gone and the restoration of the church and all of that, we can think that the Holy Spirit is an added extra, maybe for those who are a bit more experienced, maybe for those who want to go a bit deeper. But the Holy Spirit is essential to the identity of who we are as God's people. And I think this is a great time for us as Gateway to be talking about what it means to be a spirit-filled church because we increasingly are positioning ourselves, aren't we, in terms of mission. Increasingly, we're positioning ourselves in terms of multiplying out. So as we look to next year, as we look to planting another congregation uh, with a view that we know that we need to spread out across Swindon, that we know that we need to display God's image in Swindon more effectively... And we're looking to that. We're we're saying, God, help us to do that. God, help us to be all that you want us to be in Swindon so that those who don't yet know you will come to see who you are. With that as our backdrop, how much more do we, is it essential that we say, okay, what does it mean to be a spirit-filled church? Because we're never going to do that unless we're flooded with the Holy Spirit. And at one level, is there any point in us being filled with the Spirit if we're not doing that? You see, the two are hand in hand. They're always part of the picture of being God's people. It's never just for an experience. It's never just for a nice encounter. It's so that we might display who God is to a dying and hurting world. And as we look to, to spread out, I don't believe it's any accident that God says to us, now I want to talk to you about my spirit. I want you to experience more of my spirit. I want you to be hungry to be filled with the spirit that you might do the things that I've put in front of you to do in these days. Amen? So that's the first thing. We can expect to be constantly in need of more of the spirit. The second thing is this, that we can expect to bless and serve one another in the power of the Spirit. You see, although I talk about our purpose and our mission and the Spirit being essential for that, there's always two sides of this. So throughout the book of Acts, what you see is not only are they out there preaching, praying for God to fill them with the Spirit, but also this amazing new community is being born. And you see that interspersed with the with the powerful encounters with God is this community is being built and they're united and they're sharing and they're being a blessing to one another and they're caring for one another and all those things go hand in hand and just as I said earlier we're birthed into it the day we're born again we're birthed into this mission to display God's splendor but also we're being restored and those two things always go hand in hand so we're born into a family God's household that we might serve one another, that we might bless one another, care for one another, whilst we're on mission. We do it at the same time. It's not that you get sorted and then go on mission, or get, go on mission and then get sorted. They, they always go in parallel. And the Holy Spirit, not only is he the one who provokes us to be the people we're meant to be in the world, but he's also our comforter, and our counsellor, and the alongside one, and the healer. He's, he's God, for goodness sake. Of course he can do all these things. And as we're filled with him, not only will we grow up in ourselves, not only will we be healed, not only will we 
gradually be restored, but also will we'll display to him. As we love one another, as we become the community that he intends us to be. The Bible says, as you, is, as you love one another, isn't it? That those who don't know me will see who I am. And so there's this other side that the Holy Spirit at the same time is causing this amazing family, this amazing community to be built. And that's going on in parallel with the displaying of who God is to the world around. And so we can always expect also to be blessing and serving one another. Because we're not just a temple, we're the household as well. And that is striking at the beginning of Acts. So please don't ever think that you're not sorted enough to go on God's mission or you're not sorted enough to be encountering the Spirit and to be. We all need the Holy Spirit. We all need to be encouraged, we all need to be cared for, we all need to be loved, and we all need to be together on a mission, playing the part that God's given us to play. The third thing is this we can expect to experience, I believe, some unexpected things. Okay, so as you look through Acts, as the people of God are uh, encounter the Spirit, as they're filled with the Spirit to empower them to do the mission that God's called them to do, all sorts of weird and wonderful things happen to them. It's just so initially tongues of fire land on their heads. Slightly weird. No? Ever seen that? Rooms where they're meeting shake, as we've just seen. The people of God appear to be drunk. They see angels and they fall into trances. People drop down dead after they've lied. Prison chains are broken, gates of prison. There's some amazing and weird and wonderful things that go on as the Holy Spirit is at work amongst God's people. But let me tell you this, they don't go looking for those things. They would never have, Im- they would never have Im- dreamed that those things were, were going to happen. They were as surprised as, as we would be if those things happened to us right now. They're not looking for them, but, but you can, I guess it's not a surprise that when the, the living God, the creator of the whole universe gets involved with little frail human bodies, some pretty amazing things are going to happen and we can expect that. That's not our aim, but along the way, it wouldn't really be a surprise if some of those things happened, would it? And sometimes they require the explanation of those who are leading. So the apostles get up and say, look, these guys are not drunk. Let me explain to you what's happening. The Holy Spirit's here. So sometimes you require a bit of explanation because there's some things that are otherwise unexplainable. So don't be surprised by that. For some people, this, is, this will be an attraction. Some people like to go after the weird and wonderful. You may be in that category. For some people, on the other hand, down the other end of the spectrum, this will be a stumbling block. And there's a whole load of people all the way on the spectrum in between. Isn't that right? Because of our personalities and experiences and all of that. Personally, just like to declare, I'm down the stumbling block end of this by nature. So when I first came to Swindon and came to this church, Swindon Family Church as it was, 20 whatever years ago. Um, sh- no, I'm trying to say it, not say it on purpose. Um, so... It was a small group. It was very difficult to hide. I tried to hide on the back row. I was worried about what God might do. There were some funny things going on. Weird things happened to people. I wasn't sure that I wanted those things to happen to me. I wanted to stay in control, thank you very much. I didn't want God to just come and take me over or do something. I had no experience of the Holy Spirit at that point, and I was petrified, to tell you the truth. And it took God a long time to thaw me out so that To get to the point where I realize, actually, if he's almighty God, 
He can do what he wants, and that wouldn't really be a surprise. And actually, he knows me, and he loves me, and actually, he's not going to do anything that's going to hurt me or harm me, and all of those things. But that took a whole process. And different people are going to respond to this in completely different ways. But please don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit surprises you, if you see what I mean. Because he's God. And when he gets involved, of course, it's not going to be like normal, non-supernatural life. He's God. Amen? Amen. But let's not go looking for those things. We won't need to. Number four, we can expect to have every area of life together affected. Okay? So some of the, so the room shook, you know, there were the trances and the, all, all those other weird things. But I tell you, one of the weirdest things that happened amongst them, they started sharing their possessions. That's pretty weird. They started selling land and houses and bringing the money to the apostles' feet for, to, for it to be redistributed to the poor. In our culture, those things, are, I'd say those things are just as radical, to be honest, And so we're expecting when the Holy Spirit gets involved for every area of life to be affected. Let me read that next bit, the the Acts 4, straight after the bit that we just read about Peter and John and the room shaking. The next bit of Acts says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons amongst them. That is radical, isn't it? Absolutely. That's just as radical as the room shaking in my book. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What an amazing picture. So I believe that one of the things that we can expect is that every area of our lives, those areas that we, we, we didn't want to uh, hand over to God or whatever, will be affected, will be challenged. And this amazing community will be birthed where there isn't need amongst them. In a similar vein, two chapters later, chapter 6, there's a problem with the care of widows who are in need. And a group who are full of wisdom and the Spirit are set apart to deal with that. So there's all these different things going on. It's affecting every area of life. When God gets involved, hey, that's not really a surprise, is it? Let me mention very quickly, just while we're on that subject, our welfare fund. We have a welfare fund which has kind of lain dormant for many years. It's been in the church ever since we started, really. Um, but it hasn't been used so much lately. And as, I've, as we've been talking as elders lately, but also as I've read and got into Acts again, I'm like, we need to, we need to resurrect this because there are needy people amongst us. And um, there's one particular instance. I don't think she's here today, so I can say it, I think. But we have asylum seekers in our midst. Some of you will know Harmon, and we're supporting her as a church. She has nothing, no income at all. And we just feel really challenged to really up the support that we're giving to her right now. So just as a quick appeal, I'd love to say to you, we have a welfare fund in that is designated for people in need within the community, just like we see in Acts. If you'd love to be, if you're prompted by God and you'd love to give into that welfare fund, maybe specifically for Harmon as an asylum seeker, we would love um, to receive that and dis- redistribute it just as we see in the picture of Acts. So can I flag the welfare fund if you do that? I'll put it in the bank account or in the offering and just shove, put welfare fund on it or put Harmon on it. Um, so talk to small group leaders. They have more information on that if you want to know more. But just a flag for that. This is going to affect every area of our life together. Amen? And finally, number five, the thing that we can expect to see... 
is that we can expect to see increased boldness and powerful impact on those around us. So that is the constant theme, isn't it, throughout Acts, is that every day, every week, people were being added to the number of the believers. Amen? There were signs and wonders happening. People's attention was being caught. People were being healed. And our expectation must be, as we're filled with the Spirit, as we increasingly look to this mission that God's given us to do, increasing our expectation must be and our cry to God must be we want to see those things we want boldness we want to be able to speak boldly God give us boldness we want to see signs and wonders I believe that's part of this package of being the people of God and being on mission together is that we should see amazing things amongst us we should see healings we should see signs and wonders and we we can't settle for anything less this is part of what it is to be the people of God filled with the spirit and I believe we need to cry out for to God for that, especially as we're positioning ourselves to multiply, uh, positioning ourselves and being a, and saying to God, we want to be a people who are filled with the Spirit. As those things are going on, God, make us bolder than we are right now. God, come and heal amongst us and do signs and wonders that those around might say, wow, this is some people that God has assembled here on the face of the earth. Amen? And I think God has absolutely got given us a window of opportunity which we need to take seriously right now as we were doing the survey of the east that for who's going thinking they're going east over the last couple of weeks it's just been really exciting to see those tick boxes saying yep i'm i want to go i want to go and multiply i want to go and start something new in a different part of town and that is exciting but also for those who are staying here the tick box that says west let that not just be a oh yeah well okay we're staying in the west but actually also to say god now May we use this new opportunity here as well to say, God, cause us to be those who are reaching out. Cause us those who are displaying who you are. Let us go again in the West, being filled with your spirit, seeing you empower us to be this community again in the, as we multiply. Let's see that in both places. Let's that be, be what's on our hearts as we, as we prepare this year. Amen? I believe that God is calling us to a, to a deeper level in this sense, to be to be more hungry for the things of his spirit as we're more hungry to be the people that he's called us to be in Swindon. Amen? Let's pray. Can we stand together? Those are just some of the things that I think we, looking at the early church, that we should expect as we're a people on a mission, that we should expect as we're people filled with the spirit. Let's never forget that our, our identity is the dwelling place of God now filled with his spirit. And I'd love just this morning to give an opportunity just for people to be prayed for. We haven't had that many opportunities as we've been uh, talking about the things of the spirit. It's so key that we are blessing and praying for one another and that we cry out to God and say, Lord, fill us in these days. Equip us in these days with your spirit. And that could be any number of things for you today. You see, the thing is the Holy Spirit, as I said, is the alongside one, the comforter, the counselor, so it might be today that there's an obstacle right in front of you that you say, I, I just don't know how to move on in the things of God before this is dealt with. Well, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is the person you need. Yes. He's the one that you need today. So let's pray for you that you'll be filled with the Spirit. If you need healing this morning, let's pray that on this mission, as we're gathered together as the people, we bless one another. We see healing and restoration amongst us. If you need that this morning, come and be prayed for. I just want to invite you.
I'm going to go through, uh, go through a number of categories, but please just come to the front. There's something, isn't there, about taking that step out and saying, God, I need you. I need more of your spirit today. So I'd love to invite you. Let's pray for all sorts of things that God would encounter us with his spirit. It may be, as I've said, that you, you're, you're saying to God, yep, I want to be bolder in what I say. I want to see signs and wonders. I love to have the boldness to pray for people and see healing. Those around me, those in my workplace, those in my street. If that's the cry of your heart today, I, I tell you what, that is a prayer that God would love to answer. I'm convinced. So why don't you come and let's pray for you. Maybe you just think, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't feel like I've ever been filled with the Spirit. I don't know what it is to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? I, I understand what you're saying. I know that I need God in me in this way, but I don't know what that looks like right now. And I'd just love to invite you to, if, to, to come and, and let us just pray for you. And let re, you receive the Holy Spirit in a new way. And say to God, I, I just want a, a greater experience of you in my life. I believe that's what you intend for me. If that's you, you say, I'd love to encounter God in that way for the first time, maybe. Please come. Let's pray for you. And any number of other things. The Spirit, he's God. He loves us. He, he knows us so well. He knows what we need. Whatever, what's the cry of your heart this morning? Let's ask God to come and encounter us by his Spirit. I just... Can I invite you to come and just not miss this opportunity, just to stand before him and say, yeah, Lord, I know I need more of your spirit today. I want to be part of this people that are called to be utterly unique on the face of the earth, to display who you are. If we're going to be that people, we need to be filled with his spirit. So come and let's pray this morning. If I could have um, just prayer team this morning. Callum, do you just want to come and play for a minute? Is that... It says prayer team, small group leaders, elders. I'd love you just to come and pray for people. Please don't miss the opportunity just to be filled with the Spirit. Whatever is the, what is the desire of your heart this morning? What is it that's the cry of your heart right now? I'm pretty sure that whatever it is, the answer is more of the Spirit. Amen? He's God. He knows what we need. So, Father, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters that are standing before you right now. Father, I pray that you would come in a flood of your Holy Spirit right now. Lord, that you would breathe on us this morning, Lord, that your anointing would fall. Lord, that we would be equipped, that we would be blessed, that we would be strengthened, that we would be encouraged and comforted. Lord, that we would be empowered to do the things that you've called us to do in our day. Lord, strengthen us. Make us ready for what's ahead, for what you've got, that we might be who you call us to be in these days, Lord. I pray, fill people with the Spirit right now. Jesus, come and fill us, Lord. Come and break in, Lord Jesus. For your glory, we pray. Let your Spirit fall now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and rest on us, Lord. Come and rest on us. Come and do new things, Lord. Come and birth new things in people's hearts this morning. Just as I pray this morning, I just feel like There are some who are just a bit weary with the things of church, weary with the things of being being a Christian. There there doesn't seem to be that much life in your walk as a Christian. And I I just believe that God would say to you this morning, my purpose is for you to have life in all its fullness, life in abundance. And I want to unlock something in you this morning that causes you to encounter God in a whole new way by my spirit. I believe that those who are dry and just a bit bored, really, 
with apparently bored with the things of God. And I, I don't believe God wants you to be there right, this, right there this morning. I believe he wants to meet with you and encounter you. So I'd love to invite you, if that's you, just to come and to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit of God, that he might awaken you to, to do all the things that he's intended for you, to go on adventures with him in a new way, because that's his plan. So Father, I pray, come. Come by your Spirit, Lord.